Well, good morning to all of you today, and uh, a warm, a warm shaka greeting to everyone. Welcome to Mission Church. Aloha, everyone. So grateful that uh, you have joined us either online, and if you're watching in our extension room, I want to greet you this morning with a good morning and a, a shaka bra. <laughs> and uh, excited to share today's sermon with you. We are um, continuing in a sermon series called Living Our Mission. And in, in this sermon series, what I'd like to do is just take some time to delve into the mission statement that we introduced to you a few weeks ago during our Our Story sermon series. And the mission um, of our church is to authentically love God, humbly serve one another, and intentionally share Christ. And for the past two weeks, we've really talked deeply into what it means to authentically love God. And so we're going to move into the next part of our, our, our um, mission statement. And that is to humbly serve one another. And my focus on this sermon series is to make the mission statement applicable and practical. Because it's one thing to constantly say we should live this mission statement out and to know what the mission statement is. But, but how to do it? How to do it is what I think really when the rubber meets the road is what's most important. And so today we're going we're gonna to look at the word humility. And my sermon is called Authentic hum- Humility. So I'm going to begin with a, a little survey. And the survey goes like this. Raise your hand if you are really good at being humble. Raise them high. Let me see. Raise your hand. I see a couple. All right, really high. Raise it up high if you're really good at being humble. We kind of chuckle at that, right? Because, you know, that's kind of almost a contradiction in terms like, I'm the best at being humble in this church, right? I mean, it's kind of like, who does that? Um, Eric does right there. (laughs) And, And really, I'll be completely honest with you today. I struggled to write this sermon. Because humility is one of those things that it's, it's so hard to, to talk about and to preach on because humility isn't some achievement that we work towards or it's not something that we just say, oh, I, I, I was humble today and I can check that box off because humility just, it doesn't work that way. And when I began to really think deeply on this word humility, it, it occurred to me in, in some really practical ways that humility is a lot like love. And, and the way I see it is that love is, is something that we, we, we engage in a relationship with, right? When, 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 we, when we have a relationship with something and we engage, engage deeply in that relationship with someone or something, through that relationship our love grows, it's not, it's not a box that we can check off or, 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 or something that we can um, achieve in that way, so to speak. So it is through a relationship that love grows. And I'm not just talking about with people, right? Because love grows in so many different ways as we engage in a relationship even with things. And so I just put a little list together of some things that I've heard people love, like some of some hobbies that people may have. You might, you might love, to, like for me, I, I really enjoy golfing. Some people would say, Pastor Gordon loves to golf. And, and I, I have a deep 
relationship with golfing. <laughs> so um, you could say I love to golf, right? Um, some people love their cars. Um, in, in a couple of uh, this week, Dave Barnes is going to teach you how to love your car a little bit better when we do some maintenance on it, right? I've heard some people get together and say, oh, I love this purse, or I love these shoes. And you can have a relationship with your purse or your shoes. <laughs> some people love the Padres. Let me hear it. Anybody love the Padres? Yeah, right? They're not doing so well. <laughs> so it's a love-hate relationship. Uh, and, uh, and, and we love food, and so we have a relationship with it. And so whenever you engage in something deeply... You engage in a relationship. That's where love grows. And in that way, love is like a response. And so when we talk about humility then, it's kind of almost the same way that humility can grow in us. It is not something that we do or we can just check off easily. Humility grows as we engage in a relationship. Right? In the relationships that we have. And we respond to the different situations and circumstances in life. And so the question maybe we can ask ourselves is, how do we respond to praise? Or how do we respond to criticism? Right? And you probably would respond, well, that all depends on who's praising me or who's criticizing me and the relationship that I have with them. And that's how it works. Our humility is connected to the relationships that we have and our response to those relationships. And I will say that I have noticed in my own life and the lives of the people around me that there is one relationship that is uniquely tied to the way we respond in humility. And that is the relationship that we have with God. Our relationship with God directly impacts the depth and the authenticity of our humility. And you heard a word that I just said that I've been saying quite a bit as I've begun my time here at Mission Church. And that word is authentic. The authenticity of our humility. And because I have used this word authentic so often... And I've shared the definition with you. You probably already know it. But in case you're new and you've just recently joined us, if you whip out your cell phone and you go to Google and you type in the definition of authentic, Google will tell you that the definition of authentic is undisputed origin, right? Of undisputed origin. That's, that's how you know it's authentic. It's of undisputed origin, and, uh, and I've, so I, I've, what I've done then is I've taken the time to go back to our undisputed origin and we'll go back to Genesis. And so today, as we talk about humility, I'm going to go back to the beginning and look at Genesis again because that's our undisputed origin. And in Genesis, we, we, we see the first relationship that humanity has with God and the lessons that we can learn from Adam and Eve and what happened in the interaction that they had with God. And so I'm going to take a look at the relationship that Adam and Eve have with God and the precedence for humanity and the struggle that we have with being humble. (laughs) 
Because it all goes back to the very, very beginning. So, I'm going to just take a quick review of some of the things we've talked about in the past, in the past few weeks, about authenticity. Whether it's our authentic love for God, or our authentic worship of God. Today we're going to talk about our authentic humility. And in the beginning, when God created Adam and Eve, God created Adam and Eve in his image. In his image, he created them male and female. That's what the Bible says. The image of God is what we call the Imago Dei. And God put his image in humanity so that humanity can reflect the image of God into the rest of creation. That was God's plan for humanity. And the Bible also teaches us that God blessed Adam and Eve. And that word blessed is really important here. That word blessed in Hebrew is barak. And that word means actually to kneel. And when you stop to think about it, kneeling is a humble posture that we take. And so God blessed Adam and Eve with his image to reflect it into creation in a humble posture. That's what God intended. But when we read through the creation story, something occurred that marred the reflection of God from into Adam and Eve so they could not reflect this beautiful image that they were created in. And so, Adam and Eve, instead of reflecting this, this beautiful Imago Dei, the image of God, into creation, <laughs> they decided instead to rebel against God. And to rebel against Him, they decided to do things on their own and in their own way. And Adam and Eve acted in in self-interest, not in humility. They stood in independence instead of kneeled in their posture of God's reflection into the world. They decided they wanted their eyes opened to be like God, to know good from evil, and in doing so, lift themselves up instead of humble themselves. And instead of reflecting God's beautiful image, what happened was, they could no longer reflect it because they no longer were living in a humble posture that God created them in. God's blessing was gone. They could no longer live in Barak, in the blessing, and thus could not reflect humility into creation. And when this happened, this sad incident of selfishness, and self-centeredness. When this happened, all of humanity was impacted. You and I. We've all been impacted by it. We struggle with humility as a result of it. And the casualty of Adam and Eve's rebellion and their sin is reflected in every relationship that they had. And we can look at the relationships that they had and how each one was damaged. And the, the heart of humility 
the authenticity of humility was lost in those relationships. The first relationship that was damaged was uh, the relationship that Adam had with Eve, right? The moment that they, they tasted the fruit and ate the fruit, their eyes were open. And when their eyes were open and sin entered into the world, what did they see in one another? They saw for the first time their nakedness. And what did they do in response? They got together fig leaves and sewed them together and put them on their bodies. I want you to hear me when I say this. God never intended that to happen. There is a, a, a divine a, a, a divine connection between Adam and Eve that God wanted so much that God created us in this beautiful way and, and He wanted us to have this divine intimacy. And the moment sin entered the world, this intimacy was lost. Instead, separation was created. This layer of clothing. Now, I, stopped, I, I, I just thought, what would it be like if, if they obeyed God completely? I, I don't know what this place would look like. <laughs> I will say that we probably wouldn't need the church because we would be in divine relationship with God. But when you stop to think about it, the intimate relationship that God desired for humanity to have, for Adam and Eve to have, that beautiful intimacy was lost and broken in that moment. And when, 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 when God came to them and, and, and they hid in their shame because that's when shame entered the world. They saw themselves being naked. They were ashamed. They, 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 they put on clothing, fig leaves. They sewed them together, as the Bible says. And, and when their sin was found out, what did they do? They pointed fingers. She, she, she got the fruit and made me eat it. And then... Eve said, the, the serpent deceived me and made me eat it. And, and from that moment on, the beautiful, authentic humility of responsibility was lost. Humility was lost right there between man and woman. And instead, blaming and finger pointing instead of responsibility. And responsibility is one of the hallmarks of humility, right? I'm sorry. It was me. It takes an authentically humble person to truly say those words. And we've lost that in humility. It was her. She made me eat it. It wasn't me. It was the serpent. And, and this finger pointing and blaming continues to this very day. The, the, the relationship that we shared that was authentic in the beginning, was lost. Authentic humility was lost between Adam and Eve. The second relationship that was damaged in this moment was obviously the, the relationship between humanity and God. God came to the garden looking for Adam and Eve. And then as God came through the garden, desiring their company desiring the fellowship, wanting to share love and build their relationship, the Bible says that Adam and Eve, they, they, they hid from God. It's in this moment that their shame turned into fear. That's why they hid. That's what the Bible says. 
Genesis chapter 3, verses 8 through 13 says this, Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid from the Lord God among the trees in the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, Where are you? And he answered, I I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid. Isn't that amazing? Why was he afraid of God? His shame had grown to become fear. And this is not at all what God intended. Not at all the relationship that God desires to have with people. I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. And God said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? And the man said, the woman you put here with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree and I ate it. And the Lord said to the woman, what is this that you have done? And the woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate. And there is the beginning of the loss of humility and and the bridge, the relationship of love that God so desired to have with his people. was lost in shame and lost in fear. And the third relationship that was tragically broken in this circumstance is (laughs) Adam and Eve lost the divine relationship that God intended for them to have with creation. God's desire was for Adam and Eve to reflect his beautiful image of humility as they ruled and cared for creation. But as a result of that, a result of their sin, they no longer reflected the humble image of God into creation. And the relationship between humanity and creation has become polluted. Literally. We have polluted this earth. (laughs) And in the end, in the end, this, this whole idea, this whole understanding of humility actually came to be. In the end, Adam and Eve were, were humbled. Not because they reflected God's character, but because of the consequences of their sin and the punishment from God that removed his blessing. God's punishment for their disobedience and their their rebellion caused them humility in in the way they move forward in life. And so when we take a look at all that has taken place here, what we have lost and what we can learn from it, there's a way forward. I want you to know that as I share all this, I share all this with great hope. Because what we can learn from this encounter here at the very beginning has hope for us to bring back authentic humility into each of our lives. And it begins with relationship, right? Because that's what we talked about. Just in the way love grows in us through engaging in relationship, authentic humility grows in us as we engage in relationships. And so there's some lessons on humility and the relationships that impact them. In our relationship with God, humility begins with the response 
of obedience to God. Because God gave clear instructions to Adam and Eve, right? It was pretty clear. You know what we find? We know that they both knew what God had commanded them to do and not to do. And they chose to disobey that. And so the first step we take in beginning this to to have the hope of humility in our lives in this relationship with God is that it begins with obedience. Genesis chapter 2 verses 15 through 17 says, The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. And the Lord God commanded the man, You are free to eat from any of the trees in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree in the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat of it, you you will surely die. You will certainly die. He knew that. Eve knew that. And they chose to disobey and they lost their posture of humility. The blessing of God was withdrawn from them. I asked this a little bit earlier, but I wanted to just come back to them just for a moment in more serious note. What would happen if Adam and Eve had truly obeyed and didn't disobey God in rebellion? It's so hard to even think of what life would be like because we've moved so far from there, haven't we? Like, I I just thought, what would it be like? I couldn't even think of it because where we're at today is so far from what God intended. I can't even imagine what God would have, would make today look like had Adam and Eve been obedient. Now, two weeks ago, I preached on obedience. I don't know if you guys remember that. I hope you do. But two weeks ago, I preached on obedience. And we, we, we talked about why people obey. You, you know, because you obey some things. <laughs> Not everything. But you obey. And the, peop- the reason people obey is because of, number one, you obey because of fear. Right? I, I fear punishment, so I'm going to obey. Some people obey because of obligation. We've always done it, so we're going to continue to do it. Some, believe, some obey because of coercion. But two weeks ago, I talked about the way God desires the way we obey. And God desires our obedience be because we love God. And that's why we want to obey Him. Not because we fear Him or or, or it's an obligation or we're coerced to do it. It's because we love God when we think about our children. We want our children to obey us because they love us. Not because that if they don't do the dishes, we're going to ground them. <laughs> but when we say, would you help us with the dishes? Yeah, absolutely, Mom. Absolutely, Dad. And they do it because of, with joy. Oh, can I get an amen from parents out here? Like, yeah, that would be great. We would love that. We'll take punishment too, though. <laughs> if they obey because they're afraid of us, we will take that too. But, but how sad is that, right? We would rather them obey because of love. And that's what God would rather us obey because of. We, we would rather obey. He would rather us obey because we love Him. And that's what Jesus said in John 14, 23 and 24. Jesus said, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them and they will come and we will come to them and make their home with them and anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. There you have it. If you love Jesus, you'll obey what he says. If you don't love him, you won't obey. It's pretty simple. And in reality, 
in our relationship with God. In, in reality, in our relationship with God, humility really begins with love and not obedience. Right? I said it began with obedience, but when you stop to look at what Jesus is saying, if you love me, you will obey me. And so, obedience in our relationship with God begins with love. And as it begins with love, it grows in us so that we obey in humility. And that is a beautiful thing. Humility begins with love, and our love for God leads us to obedience. Disobedience and defiance of God is what happened with Adam and Eve. Disobedience and defiance of God's command causes self-reliance, self-sufficiency, selfishness, which leads to great pride and takes us further and further away from authentic humility. And so, relationships, engaging in them is what causes love. And again, relationships and engaging in them is what grows humility, authentic humility. And the place to begin is in our relationship with God. Begin with love. That love leads to obedience and that obedience grows and and nourishes the, the heart of humility, authentic humility. And in order for us to obey God, we need to to know what He says, right? I mean, it makes sense. How do you obey someone if you don't know what He says? And so, the second relationship that is just as vital as the first is the relationship you have with this. Can I ask you a question today? What is your relationship with the Word of God? Do you love it? Do you, do you love it so that you obey it? Or do you fear it? And you don't want to reap the consequences? Or is this something that you're obligated to? Church, can I tell you that if we're going to grow in our obedience to God, if we're going to grow in our authentic humility, we have to learn to love the Word of God. Just as much as we love this relationship with God, we have to love the relationship that we have with His Word. Otherwise, how are we going to know what God commands us to and what we have to obey? We learn it from here. And my prayer is that you grow your relationship with God's Word. Don't fear it. Don't make it an obligation. Engage in it and love it. Our relationship with the Word of God holds the same effect as our relationship with God as it relates to authentic humility. We're called to to love and to obey and to humbly accept God into our hearts. And in much the same way, I'd like to call us to love and obey and humbly accept the Word that is planted in us. That's what James 1.21 says. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that's so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. If you've not joined a Bible study, if you've not joined a Sunday school, i got to tell you, loving this in a community, boy, it's, it's a joy. 
It is a joy. This morning I was with John, John Payton and with tears in his eyes as he was writing down the scriptures, getting ready for his Sunday school class. I could see the love that he had for the people in his class and for teaching them the word of God. Man, that's beautiful. If you haven't found something like that, connect with me. If you're a young adult, connect with Jeff or Eric. Connect with our staff. Or find your friends and connect with them and say, hey, let's get together and study God's word together so we can grow in love and obedience to his word. Because disobedience and defiance to God's word causes self-reliance, self-sufficiency, and selfishness, which leads to pride and takes us further and further away from authentic humility. And the third relationship that we want to cultivate is the relationship that we have with ourselves. When we get the relationship with God, right, and we get the relationship with His Word, right, the greatest impact it will have is who we become. And that's the relationship that we have with ourselves. And how we view ourselves will either hurt or help our authentic humility. So the question is, how do you see yourself? Are you always looking for ways to serve others or have others serve you? Are you looking to get to the front of the line or to have people get in front of you so that they can be a part of what you're trying to be and do? Jesus told an amazing parable that I'd love to share with you. It's found in Luke 17, verses 8 through 11. And it has so much to say about how we see ourselves and the relationship that we have with ourselves. When someone invites you to a wedding feast, do not take the place of honor for a person more distinguished than you may have been invited. So if you host, if, if, so if the host you, who invited uh, both of you will come and say to you, uh, give this person your seat. (laughs) Then you'll be humiliated, right? And you will have to take the least important seat. But when you are invited, take the lowest place so that when your host comes, he will say to you, friend, move up to a better place. uh, Then you will be honored in the presence of all the other guests. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. You know that's a spiritual truth right there? Adam and Eve exalted themselves, and eventually they were humbled. And wherever you find any teaching in the Bible on humbling yourself, you know what the next verse often, almost always says? That when you humble yourself, you will be exalted. It's here and almost everywhere else. If you choose to exalt yourself, eventually you're going to be humble. But if you choose the way of humility, authentic humility, someone may come up to you and say, I have a better place for you, and then you will be exalted. Oh, man. That's the amazing thing about humility. The choice that we make in the relationships that we foster will either keep us down or raise us up. And my prayer is that we would have the right relationship with God and His Word and how we view ourselves so in time 
you will be lifted up. That's what the Bible is all about. That's what authentic humility leads to. And when we live in authentic humility, you know all the relationships that were wrecked when Adam and Eve sinned in rebellion in the beginning? The great hope is that all these relationships can be restored in humility. Humility heals the separation and brokenness between people. The separation that happened between Adam and Eve, the, 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 the separation of the divine and beautiful intimate relationship that Adam and Eve lost, God desires to restore in us. And it's in humility that we can find it. Because humility leads people to take responsibility for their words and their actions. Something Adam and Eve chose not to do. They blamed one another and they blamed other things. Humility calls us to take responsibility of them. And humility humility does not blame. Humility does not blame. And that's the first step towards reconciliation. That's the great hope of it. Humility initiates forgiveness and it is only in an authentically humble person that the words, I'm sorry, when it is spoken and meant, mends and binds and builds relationship. I used to do this in my old church in Hawaii. You know what I used to do? I used to say, let's practice being humble. I'm going to say a word and you say it back to me. All right, ready? I'm sorry. Okay, that's good. Now say it like you mean it. I am sorry. Good. I forgive you. <laughs> but what a great thing to practice in our lives. To live in a posture of humility. By taking responsibility for our words and our actions. And when you say those two beautiful words, I'm sorry, to truly mean it. And when you do, there's hope for relationships that you have with one another. Humility also restores the right relationship that we have with God that we lost when Adam and Eve sinned. Growing our love and obedience to God and to God's word requires us to live in love, obedience, and in humility. And so can I ask you to take the posture of being blessed. Take the posture of being blessed to kneel before God. When we worship God, my prayer is that this is the posture of your heart. When we sing and adore Him, we're blessing Him. And when we mean it with all of our hearts. Today I was singing and I meant every word of it. And it made connection because I sang to the God who created this universe. It's not just a song for me. It's what worship is all about. And that's humbling. And then, repentance. Repentance is what brings us back into the right relationship with God. 
Authentic humility calls us into a heart of repentance with God. Not just saying, Lord, I'm sorry. But not going down the road ever again of which you came from. That led you to need repentance. Having a a humble and sober Having a humble and sober self-perspective is the third part. How we see ourselves. And, and the relationship that we have with God and His Word leads us to having this, this humble and sober perspective of who we are. Not an inflated and self-entitled self-perspective, but one of humility that helps us to realize that without God, we're lost. We're completely lost. We need him. Amen? We do. We truly, truly do. And so today, as we close, I'd like to ask you for something. I'd like to ask you to join me as we pray. And when we pray, to pray in humility. To pray and mean it. Every single word of it. To pray for our love and for our obedience to God and his word would grow in us. Would you make that a prayer? And live that out. And join your hearts with mine. And if you're sitting next to a loved one today, would you reach out and grab a hold of their hand? And pray in unity with me. If you're with your family, if you're with your church family, if you're sitting next to someone close by, just reach out so that you're not alone. And let's pray in unity today for humility, authentic humility, to grow in us. Let's pray. Father in heaven, today, Lord God, we pray that we can all take a posture of humility before you. To love you with all of our hearts. And may that love, Lord God, lead us to obey what you call us to. And in order to understand who you call us to be and what you call us to do, may we fall in love with your word, Lord God. So that is not something that we, we read out of obligation or fear of punishment, but because we love it. And may this divine relationship that we have with you give us hope to have authentic humility, Lord God, that was lost in the fall. May, may, may we be people who are so humbled, Lord God, that we would find it in our hearts to extend forgiveness to those who have hurt us and, and to be the voice of forgiveness when we have hurt others, to authentically apologize, to say, I'm sorry and truly, truly mean it. I pray that families, Lord God, would be united because we all take a humble posture and bless one another this way. May we be your reflection in this world, Lord God, because we're reconnected with you in the right way. May your Holy Spirit, Lord God, convict us when we are not. Father in heaven, may we in and of ourselves, Lord God, not always try to seek to get to the front of the line or push others down in our journey through life. 
Help us, Lord, to see ourselves in a sober way. Not entitled to anything, but freely receiving, God, the, 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 the favor of your blessing. Give us the blessing of humility in our hearts, we pray, so that we can be the people you would have us to be. Lord God, this is the mission of our church, that we humbly serve one another. And so, Lord God, as we talk about this difficult subject of humility, next Sunday, have our hearts open wide so we can see how this this heart of humility will impact other people as as our mission is to serve others. Father in heaven, today we love you. We want to obey you and obey your word. Work in our hearts and lives. Work in our families. Help us, we pray. And we ask this in Jesus' name.